Welcome back, everybody. This is Rick Pettigrew to share four fascinating news stories from this past week of Archaeologica. Send us feedback on the Archaeology Channel Facebook page or post a message on our social networking site, Archaeoseek. A gold ring found in southern Jutland suggests an unknown royal power there before the Viking Age. Adhesive goop on Neanderthal tools in France seems to indicate more complex thinking than previously recognized. Excavators in Maryland surprisingly came across a rare piece of metal armor. And DNA study of the mysterious mummies in far western China indicates they are indigenous rather than intruders from the West. Thanks to everyone for supporting our subscription platform, Heritage Broadcasting Service, available at heritagetac.org. We now have hundreds of titles you can binge upon on Roku. Please help us spread the word. Again, that link is heritagetac.org. Our tour program, TAC Tours, will continue in 2024 with our tour of megalithic sites in the Brittany region of France. Please join us. The link to our tour program is at archaeologychannel.org tours. And now here's Laura Kennedy with the audio news from Archaeologica. We hope you find this to be a valuable part of your day. Welcome to the audio news from Archaeologica. I'm Laura Kennedy, and these are the headlines in archaeological and historical news for February 18th through the 24th, 2024. Our first story this week comes from Denmark, where an amateur metal detectorist unearthed a rare gold ring set with a red semi-precious stone believed to have belonged to royalty. As reported by Live Science, Lars Nielsen unearthed the ring in the Emmerlev Parish in southern Jutland, Denmark. The ring likely belonged to an unknown royal family who had connections to the Merovingian kingdom. According to Kirstina Pomergor, an archaeologist and curator at the National Museum of Denmark, the gold ring connects Denmark with the Merovingians. They were a Frankish dynasty that ruled over parts of modern-day France, Belgium, and Germany between AD 500 and 751. During the Danish Iron Age, immediately before the Viking Age, the Merovingians were a major center of power and influence in Europe. The ring probably belonged to a woman, possibly the daughter of a prince. Researchers noted the ring's exquisite craftsmanship, which supports the notion that it was owned by royalty. The craftsmanship includes beautiful spirals and trefoil knobs around the stone setting. These elements are often associated with Frankish techniques. Even today, this level of craftsmanship is hard to emulate. The ring's red stone suggests Nordic ownership, Stones like this were symbols of power in Nordic culture. Merovingian rings, however, appear more like signet rings and are adorned with coins or plaques. This indicates that it was the Nordics who used this ring as a symbol of power. Researchers suspect the ring was intentionally placed in the area. Other artifacts, such as gold and silver coins and first-century golden horns, were previously discovered only a few miles away. According to Anders Hartwig, a medieval archaeologist at the Museum of Southern Jutland, the ring's owner may have known or had a relationship with the owner of the Golden Horns. It is possible that Southern Jutland had more power, particularly with trade, than previously thought. The Emmerlev royal family may have controlled the area between Reba, the oldest Scandinavian town, and Hedebu, a trading settlement from the Viking Age in modern Germany. 
However, we should note that Reba and Hedebu emerged during the Viking Age, no earlier than the 8th century, and the rulers of southern Jutland when the ring was made may have been the Germanic Jutes rather than the Nordic Danes. Beginning in the 5th century, the Jutes colonized England, along with the Angles and Saxons. Our second story this week takes us to France, where researchers examine Neanderthal grips on ancient tools. As reported by Fizz.org, researchers from New York University, the University of Tübingen, and the National Museums in Berlin analyzed the process used to make adhesive grips for handheld tools. These tools were found in the early 20th century at Le Moustier, a French archaeological site, These tools were unexamined after they were placed in the Museum of Prehistory and Early History in Berlin during the 1960s. Researchers learned that these well-preserved tools demonstrate a technical ability that reminds one of the types of tools that early modern humans in Africa made, but with a twist. According to Radu Jovita, associate professor at New York University's Center for the Study of Human Origins, the Neanderthals in Europe added adhesive grips to their handheld tools. This shows a level of planning and strategy that was previously unrecognized. These tools date back to the Middle Paleolithic period, from 40,000 to 120,000 years ago. Researchers examined several tools, including scrapers, blades, and flakes, and found traces of a mixture of ochre and bitumen. The mixture had just the right amount of stickiness for a stone tool to remain easily gripped without sticking to the skin. This made it an appropriate grip material. A microscopic examination of the tools revealed two use-wear patterns consistent with an adhesive. The first pattern shows polish along the sharp edges from working other materials. The other pattern shows a bright polish only along the handheld area from the movement of the tool in the grip. The development and use of adhesives in manufacturing tools is considered some of the best evidence of evolving cultural and cognitive abilities in early humans. The Neanderthals who lived in the region of La Moustier also had to travel considerable distances to collect the ochre and bitumen needed to make their tools. This demonstrates a great deal of effort, planning, and focus. These tools also indicate how early Homo sapiens in Africa and Neanderthals in Europe shared similar thought patterns. Our third story takes us to Maryland, where archaeologists uncovered a rare 17th-century piece of armor called a tacit, alongside other military artifacts, which indicated the complexities of early colonial life. The tacit was used to protect a shoulder's thigh. According to the People's Network, archaeologists unearthed the tacit while excavating a cellar in historic St. Mary's City. This is part of a larger project where archaeologists are working to uncover the traces of a lost fort. Archaeologists have found other significant artifacts, including scissors, decorative braid, and the outline of an unknown structure. This mysterious structure has stimulated curiosity because it is one of the largest and earliest of its kind within the region. The tacit and other finds have revealed a lot about the daily lives of the colonists. For example, military preparations were a regular part of the settlers' lives. Archaeologists found a teenage skeleton next to lead shot and musket parts, This hints at the possibility that the fort was a local storage facility for arms. This also suggests that external attacks were a constant threat. Despite the ever-present threat of attack, the settlers tried to create a sense of home in this inhospitable place. 
They accomplished this comfort by bringing personal and household items. The artifacts reveal the complications of early colonial life. The settlers had to adapt to the blend of culture shock, military concerns, and personal sacrifice. The excavations are ongoing and designed to reveal what life was like during this period. The archaeological finds at historic St. Mary's City not only allow us to see the early days of American colonization, but also reveal the perseverance, originality, and cleverness of the colonists. Our final story takes us to far western China, where the genetic origins of multicultural mummies buried in boats are revealed to be local. As reported by Archeo News, archaeologists uncovered hundreds of mummified bodies in 1990 in the northwestern desert area of the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region in China. These mummies, known as the Tarim Basin mummies and mummies from the Jungarian Basin to the north, appear largely to descend from an ancient population that disappeared in Eurasia after the last ice age. According to the study published in the journal Nature, the Tarim Basin mummies, represented by 13 individuals in the study, date from around 2100 to 1700 BC and demonstrate local ancestry. The Jungarian Basin mummies, with a sample of five individuals, apparently descend largely from migrants from southern Siberia mixed with locals. This evidence refutes the interpretation that the population comprised herders or farmers from around the regions of Central Asia or the southern Russian Black Sea. The Jungarian Basin mummies are the oldest human remains found in this region, dating from 3000 to 2800 BC. Mysteriously, the mummies were buried in boat-shaped coffins overlaid with cowhide and had oars placed at their heads. This is a practice usually associated with Vikings, not Chinese culture. The items alongside them demonstrated evidence of agriculture, such as livestock like sheep and goats, cultigens like wheat, and foods such as cheese. According to Christina Warriner, professor of anthropology at Harvard University and research group leader at the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology, archaeologists see the context of the mummies as very unusual due to the diverse cultural elements found together. According to researchers, it is possible for a population to be genetically isolated while mixing culturally. Mummies separated by 400 kilometers at opposite ends of the Tarim Basin shared DNA similar to that of siblings. While they may not have intermarried with migrant herders, they weren't culturally isolated. By 2000 BC, they had assimilated new ideas and cultures. They grew non-native grains, herded livestock, and wore clothing made of woven wool. These people differ from those of later times and those to the east in China because of their tall height and fair hair. They also wore different clothing, like wool felt hats and leather boots. Despite this, the study of their DNA revealed they were locals, with deep roots in the area, not migrants from the West, as previously suspected. That wraps up the news for this week. For more stories and daily news updates, visit Archaeologica on the World Wide Web at archaeologica.org, where all the news is history. Also, check out our growing subscription platform, Heritage Broadcasting Service, at heritagetac.org. I'm Laura Kennedy, and I'll see you next week. This has been the audio news from Archaeologica, presented by the Archaeology Channel. Be sure to check back with us next week for our next edition. You can spread the word about the audio news by clicking on the Share This link on our audio news webpage, or just by telling your friends. 
Thanks very much for stopping by. Thank you.